What a delight. It's just so delightful to hear you sing. Uh, and I'm sure it pleases the Lord. So, hey, thanks for that. What a, what a good reason to be here. Last week, we started a new series, and uh, Dr. Neil Veit, the chairman of our elders, he preached the gospel like Billy Graham last week, and you heard the gospel if you were here last week, and that's where we wanted to begin this series because we want to talk about gospel optimism. What is the gospel? Let's be clear about it, and uh, Dr. Veit was clear last week about the gospel, and then this week, how to have a gospel conversation. It'll be parts um, why you should not have any excuses for not having gospel conversation and part here's how you can have gospel conversation and next week pastor leo that i was just picking on he's going to be preaching uh next week i'll be here and encouraged to listen to it but, but he's got something that you can tell that he has thought about he has read about he has convictions about and over the years i've listened to him as he's talked about that and i asked him if he would come and preach to the bethel church about gospel confidence and uh, it's not a message you'll want to miss. It'll be next week. Pray that his laryngitis will go away. Well, he might be here, but he's kind of laying low because he has laryngitis. So that'll be next week. We're looking forward to that. And then after that, we'll come back uh, for a second part of Gospel Conversation, and I'll do that. And then we're looking forward to Pastor Jordan coming back to the pulpit. And he also has a burden for something that he kind of has explained to me and he's shown me in a way I hadn't seen it before. And I thought, my goodness, I, I, I hope, I wish you would teach that to the people like you told me and like you showed me. And so he's going to take the last, uh, on the first, it's actually the first Sunday in February and close the brief series on gospel optimism with that, that message about how to create gospel culture in a church. So this is very uh, to put it very simply, I think Christians could easily be discouraged in our time with what they see happening in our world, and they could lose their confidence in the gospel. And how tragic would that be? No matter what happens around us, the gospel is still the power of God unto salvation, and we should share it. Jesus said, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. I will help you influence other people. That's what Jesus said. If you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. If you aren't involved in helping other people follow Jesus, then you're not really following Jesus, technically. And so today, the, the, the sermonic structure that I'm going to use, I'll tell you ahead of time so you know what I'm doing. I use different sermonic structures all the time just to, you know, kind of mix things up so you won't be bored. Well, today I'm going to use a tried and true homiletical structure that I call homiletical whack-a-mole. Whack-a-mole. That's what we're going to do right now. You ever seen whack-a-mole? I took my grandsons, Lois and I took our grandsons to a, like a Chuck E. Cheese place. Remember that? And little Waylon had that little thing like a mallet, and then when a mole pops up, you smack it. And, it's, and, they, and they'll pop up over here, and you smack them. It's called whack-a-mole. A guy went to China, found that game, came back to the U.S., made millions of dollars on whack-a-mole. We're playing whack-a-mole right now. I don't want to trivialize what I'm talking about. It's super important. But I want to whack all of my excuses, all of your excuses, for not having a gospel conversation. So you might want to buckle your seatbelt, because we're going to do this in a little different way today. Um, and I, I hope it'll be encouraging and challenging, motivating, maybe a little bit convicting for you. In Luke, in chapter 14, Jesus was saying he wanted people to follow him. In verses 18 through 20, I'll use many scriptures today. He said, but they all alike began to make excuses. Pastor... Our Dr. Uh, Veit last week preached the gospel. 
and we want to give the gospel to people, but we off, most of us, like me, don't give the gospel to people as often as we wish we gave the gospel to people. And why? Those are excuses. What if Jesus said, you heard the gospel last week, who did you tell? Who did you tell? Who did you have a gospel conversation with? You know, what if Jesus said to you, do you have as many gospel conversations as you would like to have? You would probably say, well, no, not really. And then what if he said to you, why not? Why not? What if Jesus, am I, am I cheating here? What if Jesus said to you, why, why not? Why didn't you tell? My, my wife called me the other day. She was real excited. She had found an antique. And she said it was a good deal. It was kind of expensive, but it was a really good deal because it was worth a lot more than they were selling it for. And she says, Ken, you have to come and get this right now. And when she told me what it was, I said, you will have to loan me the money. And she said, you, this is a good deal. I'll loan you the money. Get down here and get it. Not kidding. This is a true story. I'm not lying because I, I don't do that. Um, so I go down there and I just buy it. It was a barrister bookcase. Original. Really nice. Uh, weighty glass. You know, the kind you want. It was such a good deal. She's a shy girl. She doesn't talk a lot unless she finds a bargain on antiques. <laughs> then she's like, Ken. I'm like, what? It was not hard to have that conversation. It was easy. If my football team wins, and it doesn't always, it's not hard to talk about. It isn't hard to talk about. If Jesus were to look at us with sad eyes and say, why didn't you tell your neighbors about me? What would you say to him? You see, that would be an excuse. Let's play whack-a-mole with your excuses. Can we do that? And they're my excuses too. That's why I'm going to be so good at this because they're my excuses too. So here's number one. I'm going to call this message, Yes, You Can. You say, I can't have a gospel. I can't have an effective gospel conversation. And my message is, yes, you can. Yes, you can. I, I love you a lot. I really love you a lot. You sang pretty today. You're my friends. I like you and I love you. Don't take anything I say like I'm picking on you or, or hurting you. Please don't take anything I say like I'm badgering you or trying to manipulate you. Uh, let's just have some fun together with these excuses and say, you know, we all are Jesus followers. We all love him. We all want to make him known. We all know people who don't know the Lord. And we all have some exposure to them. So let's play whack-a-mole with our excuses. You see, I'm going to say, yes, you can have effective gospel conversation. And by the way, I am going to run away with this. If you knew how many points I had today, you might be tempted to leave. So if, I, if you miss a point or something, if you go online, they're actually numbered online, and I might even follow what I put online. There are a number of points. Jordan and I were talking, and he said to me, are you going to tell them how many points you have? What do you think, Jordan? Should I tell them or just keep it to myself? At this point, you might as well. Just tell them? Okay. So I have 33 points. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. You leave you on to. I got 33 points. All right, here, right, here we go. But I'm not going to rush. This is just autumn. I'm just, my heart is just spilling over with this. Number one, yes, you can. You can have effective gospel conversations because what God commands, he empowers you to do and will accompany you to do. This is what it says in Matthew 28. I'm with you all. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, every nation, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them all the things I've commanded you. I'll be with you. All authority, all power is given me, and I'll be with you. The powerful one is with us. So, yes, you can have effective gospel conversations because what God commands us to do, God empowers us to do, 
and God accompanied, God is with you in a special way when you're doing what he commanded you to do. Number two, yes, you can. You can have effective gospel conversations if you really believe in heaven and if you really believe in hell. Well, of course you'll have effective gospel conversations. You're not the kind of person that wouldn't warn somebody if they had doom out ahead of them. Wouldn't, you wouldn't be that per- kind of person. Remember the rich man? He goes to hell and he says, please send somebody to tell my brothers. Please send somebody to tell my brothers. It's in Luke chapter 2, 16, verse 28. I have five brothers. Send somebody to warn them that they also will not come into this place of torment when you believe in heaven the beauty and the glory of heaven and the presence of the lord and the sadness of of hell separated from god you will tell people simply you'll tell people number three yes you can you can have effective gospel conversations if you really care about people if you really have compassion on people well, Lois and I, we, and, and Hopi, when she's with us and, and her husband's working, we go to uh, lunch on Sunday a lot of times at the Texas Roadhouse. And I, I look around at the people, and I don't think most of them have been to church. And they're the good folks of our town. They're just nice people, nice regular people. And my heart aches when I look at, at them, and I think, how many of them know the Lord? And how are we going to tell them? How are we going to tell them a story that changed all of our lives? How are we going to, how are they going to know that they don't have to live with a cloud of guilt over them and shame? If you really, you really care about them. When Jesus looked on the crowds, he didn't make fun of them. He had compassion. He had compassion on them. This is Matthew 9, 36. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and they were helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. I remember one time I was doing a funeral. A little girl came up, looked over the lip of the casket at her grandmother. I didn't know her. her name was Rebecca Kirby. I didn't know her at the time, but I was doing her grandma's funeral because I was just the pastor that was called on to do this lady's funeral who I had not met. And this little girl, this little redheaded girl, Rebecca Kirby, looked over the casket. And I remember praying to God, God, would you please let me be her pastor? She's like a sheep without a shepherd. Her, day, her grandma died. She didn't have anybody that could comfort her. That whole family came to the Lord. I baptized her. I baptized her dad. I baptized her mom and brother. They're all walking with the Lord. That was years ago. They've been walking with the Lord. But God gave my, my heart of compassion. Ask God to help you love people. And then you will tell them. If you love people, you will tell them. Yes, you can. Yes, you can have an effective gospel conversation. If you deal with your own slothfulness, uh, your own selfishness, your own sloth, your own preoccupation with your petty, temporary, selfish kingdom, don't ask me how I know that. I'm tempted to just kind of like pull in and say, I'll just make sure that my world is comfortable and I have what I want. And, and, my, and people take care of me. Let the world go to hell, you know. You might as well say it. You might as well say it. But, but a real Christian can't do that. Because there is a perishing world out there. Even as the Son of Man, Matthew 20 and 28 says, even as the Son of Man, that's a name for Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What are you doing to tell people about Jesus? to be on the mission of Jesus, that, that, that if you, if somebody hadn't gone on the mission of Jesus and hadn't built a church in your town and told you or told your parents, you would be going to hell. You wouldn't know the Lord. So, so yes, you can have effective gospel conversations if you repent of being selfish and, and lazy. 
Yes, you can. You can have effective gospel conversations when you realize that when you go, you go in the Spirit's power and at the Spirit's direction if you're prepared in prayer. This one, it says in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's why you know the Lord today because somebody went and they went in the Spirit's power. They waited on the power of the Holy Spirit. And, the, and the, you think about this. You say, I can't do that. You know, of course you can't do that. It's spiritual. Miracles have to happen. If somebody gets saved, it's a miracle. You're going to have to have the Lord's help. So you pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. And you trust that the Holy Spirit will give you power when you're doing what he wants you to do. You're having that gospel conversation and you're a little nervous about it. But you're not alone. The Lord, the Holy Spirit is with you. He's empowering you. This is a powerful thing. You think about it. Remember Philip? Philip's in a revival, but the Lord sends him down to the road to Gaza. And, and the Spirit says to Philip, this is sweet. The Spirit says to Philip, you see a guy in the, in the chariot, go over to him. And what does Philip do? Do you remember? Anybody remember? He ran. I love that. Spirit says, go over there. Philip's like, I'm on it. When the Holy Spirit tells you you're working with somebody who doesn't know the Lord, run and tell them. Run and tell them. You say, well, I might be embarrassed. Yeah, but they're going to hell, you see. They're going to miss heaven. And you're worried about being embarrassed, but they're not going to go to heaven. You know, so go tell them. Don't just be nice. Be nice and tell them. It's, it's cruel to be nice and not tell them why you're being nice. That doesn't make any sense. So it's just pure logic, right? Yes, you can have effective gospel conversations when you realize you're going in the Spirit's power. Tory, R.A. Tory, followed D.L. Moody, who was a great evangelist. He was an unlearned man. And they had a school at, in Chicago, but they had a school in Northfield. And Tory was with Moody at Northfield one day, and they were on a carriage ride, and they were riding uh, to talk about some of the things, and they got caught in a really bad storm. Moody says to Tory, take the carriage into that barn right now. So it gets super dark, and it's just storming really bad, and they go into this barn, and Moody says to Tori, we might as well have a prayer meeting while we're here. Tori told the story, R.A. Tori, Reuben Archer Tori, who was later the president of the Moody Bible Institute, told the story of Moody's prayer meeting in the barn, and he said he just poured out his heart for lost people there in the barn, and he, he said, how are we going to do, Tori was saying, how are we going to do this, and how are we going to pay for that, and what are we going to do about this, and how are we going to fund that? And Moody said, we're just going to ask God, and you watch, God will answer our prayer. And God answered his prayer. I went to the Moody, have I ever told you I went to the Moody Bible Institute? That was a joke. I, I, I'm kind of happy I got to do that. I was at the place where there's a plaque that says it was on this spot where D.L. Moody knelt and prayed and claimed this spot for God. And missionaries have gone all over the world. That's not the only place that's sending missionaries. And why did that happen? Because when you're doing what on God's mission, he with you on the mission. He's empowering you on the mission. It's miraculous. He'll send you places. He'll tell you what to do. He'll empower you. Yes, you can. Yes, you can have effective gospel conversation. If you get to know people well and you care about them, then you all can always have comfortable conversation with people that you know well. If you don't, if you're not comfortable in conversation, it just tells you you need to get to know people better. I, I, a friend of mine loaned his mower to the neighbor. This is all he did. He's a Christian. He looked at the neighbor. His mower was ratty, and he had a brand new mower, really nice. He's real proud of it. And he got, to, he looked over there and said, too bad that guy didn't have a nice mower. After a while, he was convicted about it. So he just pushed his mower across the street, and he said, you can use my mower anytime you want. And he said, when you're done, push it back. I'll mow, and then I'll push it over you. So he, he prayed about how is he going to witness to him. 
and he, he is trying to come up with a way to witness to him, and he hadn't come up with a way. But he said one day, he would say, I love this story. He's sitting in the living room, and the neighbor comes hiking across the street with those huge family Bibles under his arm. And he's got problems in his life, and he says to him, I know you're a Christian, and I need you to explain this book to me. Can you explain this book to me? That's what he did. Joe Alden told that story. What a powerful thing. Wouldn't that be wonderful? So I'm like, get to know people. You can have gospel coverage. You, you don't have any trouble talking to people. Once you get to know them and you have common interests, conversation is just as is, natural as rain. And so if you are having trouble having gospel conversation, get to know some people who need the gospel. Get to know them until your conversation is natural. Loan them your mower. Love them until they ask you why. Love them until they ask you why. Yes, you can have gospel conversations and effective gospel conversation if you get out of your Christian bubble and onto the mission field. Go into all the world, Jesus commanded his followers. You could say, I'm going to look around my office and invite one of the people to breakfast. I know a lady who came to my church who said that a lady said, hey, I want to buy you, I think it was lunch, bought her lunch, pressed the gospel upon her, and she said, you know, I'm a Christian, but I'm far from God. And she says, well, you need to get back to God. And she says, go find a, she we'll said, what kind of church you grew up in? And she said, Baptist. She goes, find a Baptist church. Dawn, you remember Dawn? Got up in the morning and she started on a Sunday morning with her little kids in the car, started driving around looking for a Baptist church. And God sent her to us. And she brought lots of other people. The Rebecca Kirby dad was, was brought by his brother-in-law who was invited by Dawn. Did you follow that? It was just like, that's how it works. Yes, you can have effective gospel conversations if you get out of your bubble. Yes, you can have effective gospel conversations if you talk to more people and you plant more seed. Because the more seed you plant, you plant the more crops you have. Yes, you can have effective gospel conversations if you listen carefully to what other people are saying and then help them with their problems and explain why they have brokenness and point them to Jesus and learn the three circles. I'll tell you later. Number 10, can you believe I'm that far? Yes, you can have effective gospel conversations when you see that good conversation grows from questions that people ask when you love them and live a holy life in front of them. You'll be so weird, they'll ask you about that, and you'll get a chance to talk to them about why you're so weird. If you realize the conversation part is essential, you just can't go around doing nice things for people and assume they're going to carry a Bible across the street, you know, and magically understand the gospel, but they have to have somebody tell them the story of the gospel, not just dump truck facts on them. I used to take my, my oldest daughter, Holly, to her beauty school when she was doing her training at her beauty school. And she was with a bunch of girls that really were far from God. And then she would come home and tell me their stories. And they were just sad stories. And then I would drop her off and I would get her. She had this stuff that you had to take. It was like on wheels. Like, you know, who knew you needed that much stuff to look pretty, right? But so we would get that stuff out of the trunk and then we'd take it over there and open the door. And the girls would ask, who is that man who's helping you with your stuff? And then they would tell their stories. And one of the girls I remember said, I never knew my dad. You, you, you know, you, your dad's being nice to you. I'm doing what any dad would do, right? Just the normal. I never knew my dad. She, she started coming to our church. She heard the gospel. When Holly graduated from the school, she said, we want you to come and see my graduation. Do you remember that day? 
so it was in a room full of these girls that she had told us all their stories. And they were so hard, and they were so sad, and they were so far from God. Remember, when, when you graduated, we did the same thing. And I remember that day, they all gave her gifts and said goodbye, and then she left. And when she walked out, I had the, a vision of the light just going out of the place. You are the light where you work. You are the light. You are the light of the world. Jesus said, you are the light. You're the representative of Jesus. You are the Jesus follower. You are the one that has the Holy Spirit living in you. You're the one that actually has the answers from God for them. You are a representative of God. You are a missionary. You get to go where pastors cannot go, where missionaries cannot go. You get to hear what they would never say to a pastor. You're with them. Someday you'll have to answer to God for if you told them or if you didn't. Yes, you can be effective in gospel conversation when you realize that if you live a holy life and you love people, they're going to ask you questions. And when you answer the questions, you can, you can be the light. Yes, you can be effective in gospel conversation when you have a prayer partner in the church or a small group or platoon. A number of you have done this for years where you pray together and hold each other accountable. The elders do this. We hold each other accountable for our witnessing. We have a little missile team, a platoon devoted to be effective at gospel conversations. I would, if a person had to have somebody golf with him, like to go to heaven, he would, he would not go to heaven because my golf would not save anybody it would just be we'd be i'm off in the woods all the time looking for my ball but we got we got a we got one of our elders i loved it was a real happy day when he said uh, he's not all that excited about golf but he bought golf clubs so that he could go with a friend who doesn't know the lord so that he can witness to him this guy actually lives on the golf course but anyway this kind of humorous isn't it i'm not saying his name but it might be joe sexton um (laughs) (laughs) sorry i might as well just say 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 that that's sweet, though, when I heard that, Joe, um, just trying to, trying to win a friend. Uh, wh- well, who do you fish with? Who do you golf with? Who do you knit with? Who do you make cards with? Who's far from, from God? And, 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 and just think about that. You can be effective in gospel conversation when you have a team praying for you. You can have, be effective in gospel conversation if you learn the skill. You, you're good at something. How did you learn that? Well, you can be good at gospel conversation if you decide you're going to study it. Study it and learn it and be good at it. You say, I don't know how to do it. Well, you should learn to do it. It's important. It's life and death. It's heaven and hell. Learn it. You know, learn it. Man up. Watch a YouTube video. Come and talk to me. I will talk to you, to you blue in the face. I'll tell you more than you want to know about it. Trust me. I'll teach you everything that I know. We'll send you to really smart people, and they will teach you. You can learn. you got the Internet. The Internet can show how... how a person can have a gospel conversation with somebody else. There's all kinds of tools, all kinds of, you know, if a person just says, the way I do it is I have, I invite people to Christian concerts, and then on the way home I talk to them about buying food and talk to them about it. That'd be a, that'd be a plan. That'd be a plan. Wouldn't that be a plan? That'd be kind of cool. So, yeah. I, you can't say something. This is sweet. So my, my nephew gets right with the Lord, and he tells me we got the man barn down here. And I'm like, what's the man barn? And he said, it's a barn for men. I'm like, oh, I was guessing that it might have something to do with men in a barn. He goes, well, what do you do? 
He said, we meet every other week, and they give you a free steak dinner. They raise the money, and they give every man a free steak, big old steak, potatoes, free steak dinner. And they have a band. They have a real lively band that plays Christian music. And they have a really, really interesting, good speaker that gives the gospel. And you invite your friends to it. Like, somebody came up with a good idea there. You had me at steak, right? You had me at steak. What a sweet idea is that? My goodness, all kinds of things like that. You like sports. Guess what? Other people like sports too. You could sports with them. You know, you could, you could tailgate. And I bet you there'd be a conversation there. You know, if you behaved yourself, you could have a conversation there while you're tailgating. Yes, you can. Yes, you can be effective in gospel conversations if you learn the skill. I heard a story about a barber, and he had just been gloriously saved at an old-fashioned revival meeting. And so he was really pumped up. So the next morning, he wanted to share his faith, and he wanted to witness to people that he was working on in his barber shop. True story. Customer comes in, and he begins to, the barber begins to shave him. He's a little bit nervous about witnessing because he's not skilled yet. And he tries to muster up the right words to say. He's got his razor out, and, and he's poised over the guy's throat. And he says, are you prepared to meet God? <laughs> you might want to think it through a little better than that guy did. Yes, you can have an effective gospel conversation when you realize that you have conversations about things you're interested in every day. The Bible says uh, also you can, have, you can have effective gospel conversations when you realize it's the best investment you'll ever make. The Bible says that don't lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, but you can lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. That's an investment tip. What if Bill Gates gave $1,000 to everybody, gave you $1,000 every time you gave the gospel to somebody? And that would be a good deal, wouldn't it? You'd be out there like Billy Graham yourself. <laughs> um, yes, you can have an effective gospel conversation because we're here to help you and equip you and inspire you and encourage you and train you and pray with you and hold you accountable. We got a chili feed coming up. Would you please make good chili for the chili feed? Would you do that? Sign up back there. Would you do that? Somebody ought to make Cincinnati chili. Don't make me make Cincinnati chili. Somebody here ought to make, we've had brisket chili. We've had white chicken chili. I love that idea. You guys had a great idea when you come up with that. But this year, wouldn't it be something if we just changed the emphasis a little bit and said the chili's not really for us. The chili's for the people we're going to invite. I love this church. I've been to a lot of churches. I've loved all the churches I've served. I love this church. This is a very special church. There's a very special spirit in this church. More people ought to know about Jesus. And more people ought to know about this church too. They should. You should invite them for chili. Don't feel pressure. You know, just, just have some fun with it. Who could you invite? Ask the Holy Spirit to tell you who to invite. You ever think about that? I'm, I'm selfish a lot of times. I'm like, what kind of chili am I going to have? You know? And I should be thinking, who am I going to invite? That they could meet these people. They could meet the Lord. And they would be likely, you know, anyway, I'm, I'm overkilling that, but it is chili we're talking about here. So you, you can understand, yes, you can have effective gospel conversations because we're here to help equip you. And we'll give you opportunities. There's ladies events you can invite people to. There's Holy Week that's coming up. We're going to have a number of the churches in town are going to come to our auditorium on Good Friday, and we're going to have a beautiful Good Friday service. We're going to have a, a, an Easter egg hunt on Palm Sunday. You can invite other little kids to come on Palm Sunday. Then they'll hear the gospel. We're going to have a really powerful celebration on Easter. We're going to have a free breakfast and then a beautiful celebration of music and the story of the resurrection on Easter. And you can invite people to that. 
And it would be the most natural thing for you to invite people to that. Yes, you can have effective gospel conversations when you think long and hard about how powerfully a gospel conversation could change somebody's life forever. My own family, their lives were changed when my dad had gospel conversations with guys in the Navy, and the local church took initiative to set up a tent so my mom would hear the gospel when she was a little girl in a broken home. And then our old, there's just waves of, waves of wonderful things that have gone through our whole family because those people took initiative to do that. I want to be like that. You should want to be like that. Those sailors that had gospel conversations with my dad, I want to be like that. The local church that set up the tent and took initiative to have children's ministry. I, I wonder how many children live right here at the end of our road in those houses where they don't like have a big yard to play in and they might be interested in something. Where, if, how could we reach them? I always wonder about that. How could we... How can we reach them? How can we tell? How can we tell them like like and, and I'm sure they they many of them would be interested. Moody, crazy true story. This is a story Tori, another story Tori told about Moody. Let me share this with you. One on one occasion in Chicago, Tori said, Mr. Moody saw a little girl standing on the street with a pail in her hand. He went up to her and he invited her to his Sunday school, telling her what a wonderful place it was. She promised to go the following Sunday, but she didn't go. So Mr. Moody watched for her for weeks. And then one day he saw her on the street again at some distance from him. And he started toward her, but when she saw him, she ran away. Moody followed her down one street and up another. He went after her. Mr. Moody followed her through an alley, uh, and, and then he dashed into a, a saloon. She dashed into a saloon. He dashed in after. She ran up the back door flight of stairs. Moody followed her. I know you're thinking this is the weirdest story. Keep listening. She dashed into a room, him following. She threw himself under the bed. He reached <laughs> under and pulled her out and led her to Christ. He found her mother was a widow who had once been in better circumstances but had been down until now. She was living over the saloon, and she had several children. Moody led the mother and all the family to Christ. Several of the children were prominent members of the Moody Church until they moved away. Afterward, they became prominent in churches elsewhere. This particular child, whom he pulled from underneath the bed, was, when I was the pastor, this is Tori talking, pastor of the Moody Church, the wife of one of the prominent officers of the church. Two or three years ago, as I came out of a ticket office in Memphis, Tennessee, a fine-looking young man followed me, and he said, Are you Dr. Torr? Yes, I, I'm so-and-so. He said, I was the son of the woman that Moody pulled out from underneath the bed. Now he's a traveling man, officer in the church where he lived, and when Moody pulled that little child from under the bed by the foot, he was pulling a whole family into the kingdom of God. Eternity alone will reveal how many succeeding generations he is pulling into the kingdom. I know that that's a weird story, and you probably shouldn't pull little kids, little girls up underneath the bed, but you got the point. You're smart people. You got the point. There are efforts that we can make. There are things that we can do. There are people that we can pursue. We can follow up on people and call people, and I, I think God's been burdening my heart lately that it would be easy for us just to kind of enjoy what we have and never invite anybody else to it, and that wouldn't be good when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You can have gospel conversations. Yes, you can have effective gospel conversations when you understand that the gospel conversation is a process and it's a team effort. One plants, another waters. One day God gives the increase. Remember, since gospel conversation is a team effort, 
that you can get somebody along the path. And I always like to think every day, everybody I meet, I want to nudge them one step closer to Jesus. And every once in a while, you're there when they come into the kingdom, and that's pretty sweet. Yes, you can have effective gospel conversation, even if you're an introvert, because an effective gospel conversation is two ways, and introverts are better at listening than extroverts. You probably look at me going, that guy never stops talking. Of course he's talking like that. Yes, but the problem is this. It's like to have a good conversation, you have to actually listen to people too. And so God needs in his kingdom people that are really good listeners, and he needs people that are good at talking too. Thanks be unto God. But that's not an excuse. We just whack-a-mold your excuse if you're an introvert, you see. You, you're, you should go listen for Jesus. And then, like, if you don't know what to say, drag him over to me. I know what to say. <laughs> I'll be happy to talk him, up, talk him right ahead on up. Yes, you can have an effective gospel conversation. When you realize the gospel is like a seed with latent power, sometimes you plant a seed now, and later on, even after you're dead, the seed comes to life. So just give the gospel. Sow it like seed. It'll come to life when God says, yes, you can have effective gospel conversations, you have to get out of the bubble of the Christian environment into the mission field, ripen the harvest. What are you doing? Where are you in the mission field? I was at Detroit. I was in Detroit. I was making a hospital call a number of years ago, downtown Henry Ford. I was kind of looking around. It was a little rough, you know, and I didn't know quite where to go in the hospital, and I got in the wrong door of the hospital, and I was standing in line. Later on, I discovered I was in line at the emergency room, but I was standing in line, and there was a young man in line ahead of me, and I was waiting for them to tell me where to go. And I looked at the boy ahead of me, and I realized this is in his 20s, maybe early 30s, probably 20s. I realized that he'd soiled his pants. I thought, oh, that's sad. His urine, you know, our, his pants are soaked with urine all the way down his leg. And I looked down, and when I, when I got to the fringe on his jeans, I realized it was bright red. He hadn't urinated. He was bleeding. He was standing in line in the emergency room, and he was bleeding. And I said, hey, hey, this guy's bleeding over here. Hey, he needs to go to the front of the line. He's, ble he's bleeding. And he was just standing there kind of quiet. I'm like, move him to the front of the line. He's bleeding. And they'll come up here. And they whisk him off, and, and they took care of him. This is the urgency that we ought to have about people who are far from God. When, when is their heart going to stop? When is Jesus going to come back? When are they going to... Like, there's an, there should be an urgency about it for Christians that we say, okay, who am I going to get to know? Who am I going to talk to? I've got to be bold. Maybe I'm going to be a little bit embarrassed. Yes, you can have an effective gospel conversation when you realize it's urgent, when you realize that it has latent power, when you realize when your vision is even greater than your guilt. I mean, try to manipulate you. Sometimes it's appropriate to feel guilty, but, but there's something bigger than guilt. Yeah, you should feel bad if you don't tell people about Jesus, but there's a bigger thing going on here. You get, to be, you get to be a part of the team that turns people's lives around forever? That's pretty neat. That should, that should fire you up. Yes, you can be effective in gospel conversation when you realize some people are eager uh, and they're prepared. God, you know, what you can do is you can try to have a conversation with somebody, and if they, if they turn you off, they're probably not ready. Just move to the next person. But you'll be surprised. Sometimes it'll be like picking blueberries and they'll just immediately go thank you i've been waiting for somebody to talk to me about that that's true and it's usually when people are genuinely converted that god's been working on them and they're ready they just keep moving acts 17 i have much people in this city you know i'm with you um acts 18 i'm with you no one will attack you and harm you for i have many in this city who are my people 
He says, things are looking bad now, but I've got people, he says, that are in this city. Some are already searching. Paul goes to a town, and he says, I'm preaching about the unknown God, the one you worship in ignorance. There are people whose hearts are already asking questions. Like, you know, so, yes, you can. Yes, you can have an effective gospel conversation when you realize you have answers that people are looking for when you realize the message of the Bible is a self-authenticating, self-orienting way to help people understand themselves and the world they're in, where they come from and where they're going. Nobody else can give them that answer because you, you have the truth in your Bible. Yes, you can have effective gospel conversations when you realize you're participating with the Holy Spirit and he'll nudge you in his word. Yes, you can have effective gospel conversations when they, they come naturally after you have said to a person, how can I pray for you? Yes, you can have effective gospel conversations when you stop overcomplicating it. Sometimes I read books about the Bible that help me not understand the Bible and the Bible not that hard to understand if I just read the Bible. Somebody says, here's a book about starting small groups. I'm like... It's bigger than Titus. Let's just read Titus. Go tell people about Jesus. Stop overcomplicating it. There's something to be said about that. There's this philosophy and that theology and that philosophy, and you got to have this to understand. It's like this. D.L. Moody was, D.L. Moody had bad grammar. D.L. Moody couldn't spell. D.L. Moody hired other people to teach because he was embarrassed about that he butchered the king's English. But he had a passion for God, and he touched the whole planet for God. We are overcomplicating things. We just need to get out among lost people, love them, tell them, see what God does. Yes, you can. Have effective gospel conversations. When you remember your labor is not in vain in the Lord. When you realize God expects it of you, and you'll have to give an account to him someday. When you realize that listening to their story is the key to letting them getting them to tell you, to, for you letting them tell you the story. And when you remember this, my beloved brothers, Paul says, be steadfast, be unmovable, like keep having gospel conversations, keep doing a want to keep teaching Sunday school, keep inviting people, keep making chili, right? Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Keep fixing stuff. I want to be kind of careful, but there, so I'll be a little bit vague, but I used to be a pastor in, uh, I was a youth pastor over at Loomis, and at Loomis, there were people over there serving the Lord, trying to reach people through buses. There were guys that would work on those buses. They'd get up, you, I'd get there early in the morning. They'd already be there in the icy cold working on those buses and making sure that kids that probably couldn't tithe real big got to hear about Jesus. And they would just take those buses off, you know, pick kids up and bring them back and tell them about, about Jesus. Real simple. I was calling downtown one day, and I had candy in my pockets, and in a real, a real rough place in town, and they didn't have a door. And I go, and the little boy comes to the door, and I give him candy, and after I give him the candy, I tell him about this picnic we're having at the church, and he could ride the bus. And he says to me, do you have any sandwiches? And I'm like, they're going to have fried chicken and everything. And he goes, Oh, that's neat. Uh, do you have any sandwiches with you? I thought that was the weirdest thing. I'm like, what do you what do I need? Do I have sandwiches with me? And I thought that was, I go, I'm sorry, no, I don't have sandwiches with me. I thought that was the weirdest question for a kid to ask. Do I have sandwiches? I got, I got a pocket full of candy. But I don't have any sandwiches. So I went back to the church and I said something. I think it was to the pastor and he, he kind of got a sad look on his face. He goes, that's because of Russ Stevens, you know. And I go, what about Russ Stevens? Russ used to be here. 
And he knew that kids were hungry, so when he would go out, he would always bring sandwiches. He had a big sleeve of sandwiches, and then whenever kids would see him, he's the guy with the sandwiches. This, you, when you labor, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He promised that. That guy that I was telling you about that he works, works on a bus that says, with the Lord now, he's, he's receiving his reward for all of those mornings that he kept those buses going. And his son is here today. He's one of our deacons, and he's quietly serving the Lord. He'll just show up when nobody's around, fix things, and his labor is not in vain in the Lord because people are going to be in heaven because of that. When Christmas time comes, somebody said, should you cancel the services? I'm like, I have no idea how to make boilers work or, or, or get them to start. And I got here, and, and Ken DeVries was here before I was here, and he said, you know, the boiler quit, but I pushed, pushed the right buttons to make the boiler work, and so the place was warm on Christmas. This is what Jesus uh, promises through the Apostle Paul. My beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Yes, you can. Expose people to the gospel when you determine that your father has given you a command and you must obey his commands. And when you understand there's a lifelong urgency to it, what an exciting thing that God has given us the opportunity to give life to people, eternal life to people. You say, my work is boring. Well, that's only because you're not paying attention. Because the simplest work as a missionary has eternal consequences to it. You're doing somebody's nails and you're painting little pictures on their nails. You know this, sweetheart, little Hopi, listening to them and listen to their heart and point them to Jesus. Can you imagine someday, how'd you come to know the Lord? Well, I went to get my nails done and there was this girl, she's real nice, she listened to me. Jordan and I were talking about this, and we're, we're talking about how we want it to be a, our church to be a soul-winning church, and he said, that's my, how my parents got saved. I was thinking about, it would be something to think about, there's a little boy out there right now somewhere, his parents don't know the Lord, and somebody needs to tell them, and then when you tell them, they'll, they'll get saved, maybe they would come play pickleball with you, and you can tell them then. Maybe you can invite them to the chili feed. Maybe you can invite them over to your house. And you kind of got the point, didn't you? Because I played whack-a-mole with all of your excuses and all of mine. How do you think I was so good at writing those? <laughs> Would you stand? And I want to ask you a personal question. I wonder how many of you, let's just kind of be open today. It's kind of been a weird message, and I don't apologize. And sometimes I think we need a weird message just to kind of shake us up a little bit. So now I want to give a weird invitation, and then we're going to have a benediction prayed over us. But here's, the, here's my weird invitation I do not apologize for. I'm going to ask you a question. And I, I, some of you might want to say, I want to openly commit. You know, I haven't been, I haven't. You might be saying this. I'm speaking for you. You're saying, you know, I want to have gospel conversation. I want to be better. I really want to be better at it. I'm scared, but I want to be better at it. Maybe I'm not skilled, but I want to be better at it. I'm kind of shy, or I'm kind of alone. I want to be better at it. But you, you would be willing to say, by raising your hand, old school, hey, pray for me, pastor. I really want to be better at gospel conversation. Would you raise your hand right now? Oh, look at that. That's pretty cool. Think about that. It, it, I'm going to pray for you right now. And the Holy Spirit will come on you and tell you who to talk to and what could happen, what could happen?
Someday maybe we'll see it. Maybe we won't, but someday we, we might. And tell the story. We, one of our ladies that works in a public school, and she has a, a goodie drawer. And when kids want to talk, they know they can come to her class, and there will be goodies. There will be cookies or, or candy in her drawer. What a sweet idea, no pun intended. That, that would be simple to do, wouldn't it? That would be compelling. While you're standing, we're going to pray for you. And, and Ken is going to come. Ken what is going to come? And he's going to pronounce a benediction over you. And if I could ask you to add to your prayer, you, and just you saw that everybody raised their hands, so many of them. Pray for all of us that we'd be effective at gospel conversations too.